This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Tonight we're going to be teaching about it. Get this, God gets glory when people get healed, not when people bear up under sickness and disease. And why am I preaching this? Well, as I was sleeping this morning, woke up, God showed me in a vision in, in the night as I was sleeping. Saw myself preaching this. So I got up and I wrote it out and I'm going to preach it. But God wants you to know it's an old religious thing when people say, well, they bear up so well under sickness. You know, God gets the glory. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's what I said. you got to get the cobwebs off. I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 15. And I'll, I'll tell you the title again. God gets glory when people get healed, not when they bear up under sickness. As you know, I was thinking about that as we was worshiping a minute ago. I was thinking, man, where did that religious lie come from? That, uh, you know, I don't hang around a lot of religious people anymore, so I don't hear it. But I first got saved, it was around divine healing. I'd, I'd uh, fellowship with other Christians that were truck drivers and people I did business with because I was out in the mix of love with a lot of people when I was a truck driver. And it surprised me how many people did not understand divine healing and would say things like, oh, God gets glory. They're suffering so well. God gets, so, God gets glory how they're going through this. And I, 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 you know, I just never had really thought about that. As a worship, I thought, Lord, where did that come from? And I remembered the story of Lazarus that got raised from the dead in John chapter 11. So I just looked at it just a few minutes ago, right before we get ready to shift for worship to this. I looked in there, and when Jesus was told Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this is not a sickness unto death, but for the glory of God. And let me tell you how that got perverted. So as you read that thing there, he said, it's not a sickness unto death, but for the glory of God. He didn't say the sickness was for glory. Several verses later, it says that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, then said all people glorified God, not because Lazarus died of sickness, but because God raised him up from the dead when he died of sickness. And then it says, because of that, many people believed on Jesus and turned to the Lord because of what he did. Not because Lazarus was sick, because Lazarus died. But Jesus raised him from that sickness and death. And that's where God got the glory. So Jesus said, this is not a sickness and a death, but for the glory of God. Well, religious people will take that and say, well, Jesus said uh, sickness is for glory sometimes. No, that's not what he said. God gets glory when people get healed. And he wants to change religious thinking if you have any. And obviously somebody must have it. Or Lord would have gave this to me so strong this morning. So Matthew 15, verse 30 and 31. I just want to show you a pattern in the New Testament and the Gospels. But verse 30 and 31 says this. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, and dumb, and you probably got a different translation. That doesn't mean dumb like dumb. That means dumb they couldn't talk, mute. And maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified the God of Israel when they got healed. So God doesn't get glory when his children suffer through sickness. God gets glory when people get healed. God gets glory when people get healed. And uh, I didn't look up any fancy definitions of glory, but I thought about that all day long. 
What does that mean to give, give glory to God? That means to brag on him. That means to tell how good he is. That means to tell uh, how awesome he is, how he loves his people, how he loves his people, wants to help people, wants to better people's lives, wants to change people's lives for the better. You know, I, I, I know I've heard so many tragic cases of people losing loved ones, losing uh, little children, or losing somebody, some young mother in her 30s or 40s, and leaving people behind, and some religious person or preacher say, well, God needs another flower in his garden. God gets glory. And I've heard so many stories, people say, if that's what God does, I hate God. I never want God in my life. God killed my child. God killed my mom. God killed my this or that like that. I don't even see it. There's no glory in that. But when that child's raised up, where the mother's healed, that people say, I want to go to church. I want to know Jesus. Because people say, Jesus did that. They think, wow, if he's that good, I want him in my life. Hey, Amen. Can you see the difference? And so it says here that they glorified God when all these people got healed. And I want you to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. Mark chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. And you know, I, I, I like something Pastor Dave said the other day. And... Uh, <clears throat> He, he probably heard me preach it years ago because I, I hear myself preach it through him so much. But I remember when I first got saved, of course, I came from Heathenville. You know, a lot of people talk about they were adults. Well, when I was a child, I was Baptist or I was Methodist or I was Catholic, etc. When I was a child, I was heathen. And so I didn't come out of the Methodist church, out of the Baptist church, or out of the Catholic church. I come from Centerville. And so when I got, when I, when I got born again, God got me to a spirit-filled church. I learned about healing real quick. I never heard any of the religious stories because we just around people who are drinking and doing bad things all the time. I'm not talking about God or about healing or anything like that. But I remember all the people that talked about, you know, that, uh, sometimes he does, sometimes he don't. You can't ever tell what he will do if the will of God and all that kind of stuff there. I found people like that. But then when I got into word of faith, people like we are, I heard somebody one day, I think it was Gloria Copeland, actually probably about 19, probably about 1981, say, they said this, said, I challenge you, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John real closely and find me one person that Jesus said, it's not my will to heal you. And you know, at first, at first that kind of slapped me sideways up the face because the people I've been around have been telling me, you know, sometimes he does, you know, you got the, you don't know the will of God. I mean, he can. You don't know. I said that first. I thought, well, huh, I'll show you. And so I took the challenge. I started studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I didn't find one case where he ever said that. All he ever said was things like, I'll come and heal her. I'll heal him. Raise him from the dead. The lame walk, the blind see. The deaf hear. That's all I ever saw was Jesus healed everybody. Never, ever, ever did he ever say, I won't do it. It's not my will. He healed everybody that came to him for healing. And a lot of people didn't come. They got healed because of the spillover anointing and the blessing. Just being in the crowd, they got it. And so Jesus gave glory to God everywhere he went because he healed everybody that wanted it. I say it again, everybody that wanted it. See, there's some people probably here tonight that don't really want it. You know, I've met so many people as a pastor in California, in Indiana, at places I've been, because of modern times, the government uh, benefits from being sick. I've, I've seen people receive healing in lots of areas 
but then the main thing they're getting their pension for, I say, you know what, God was, I, God, God healed three people here that last week. Oh, I can't do that. I lose, I lose my benefit. I thought, wow, you would rather have the benefit of free medication, free doctor's treatments, all this, than to be healed and go out and get a real job, probably make ten times more that benefit is. And so they hear it, but they don't want it. Man, I tell you what, I just kind of feel toes going under the seats like that. Said, no, no, don't go there, Pastor. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Katie, I t- where's Katie at? It wasn't for Katie, but I told, I told Katie, keep the toes under the chairs. All right. And so anyway, Mark 2, verse 10 through 12, look at this here. It says that this was a man that was paralyzed and sick, and his, his friends brought him to Jesus. It says this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth or authority to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, the paralyzed man, I say unto you, arise and take up your bed. And go your way to, to thine house. And look at this. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And what did they do? They glorified God. God got glory when the man got healed. And they said, we never saw it in this fashion. God got no glory when the man was paralyzed. God got no glory when the man was immobilized and couldn't do anything of his life. God got the glory when the man got healed. See, this is... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were looking at. This is the Gospels, and that was always the story. It never says anywhere, when that man lay sick all those years, God got glory. He suffered so much for God, for the glory of God. It says God got glory when the man got healed. Amen. And so God doesn't get glory for you to bear up and put up with sickness. God gets glory when you allow him to heal you. Amen. Luke chapter 5 Verse 24 through 26. And as you study the Gospels, you're going to see this pattern over and over and over and over again. Jesus didn't want to run people away from God. He wanted to call people to God. And, you know, I I like what uh, Brother Hagin taught about a man named uh, Raymond T. Ritchie way back in the early part of the 20th century. This was back before we had a lot of the modern communication we have now but they used to have big farms and they had a dinner bell they had a big dinner bell the hands were out there working and at lunchtime the farm wives would ring the bell and what the bell did it sent the signal out across the fields and all the all the dads and all the all the, all the people working would come for supper time the dinner bell that was the invitation to come and eat and raymond t ritchie said that divine healing is god's dinner bell to salvation we rang the dinner bell of the healing of God, that that will draw people to Jesus because they see the goodness of God. When you see your loved one healed, when you see somebody you love that's been really suffering, and Jesus gets healed, that catches the attention of people all around them and draws them to the goodness of God. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 24 and 26. And here's, here's, here's another testimony of that man getting healed. It says, but you, that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, the paralyzed man, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go to thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereupon he laid and departed to his own house, glorifying God. He was giving praise and glory to God 
not because he was paralyzed, but because he got healed. And it says, they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and filled with fear, saying, we've seen strange things today. I'll tell you what, it shouldn't be a strange thing when Jesus heals people. How many were here three weeks ago on a Sunday morning when we had one of our ladies come up here that her, her leg was, her, her, her ankle was fractured and shattered? She came up here and Jesus put her bones back together. She was already had an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon to do the screws and the bolts and whatever they do, you know, all, all that stuff there. And then at the end of service, prayed for her. And then here she was dancing across the service, jumping up and down, put it on Facebook video that I think the next day and all that stuff, went to the doctor at the end of the week. And the doctor said, well, everything's coming along just fine, but wear this big boot thing for a while to keep things in place. Amen. And you know what? We shouldn't say we've seen strange things. We say that's the norm. Why is that the norm? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And we're not worshiping Allah. We're worshiping Jesus. Jesus heals and gives life. He doesn't take life. Jesus is no respecter of persons. He loves everybody. Even if people don't like him, he will heal them to get their attention. Don't say that again. He will heal them to get their attention, to let them know he's real. If they reject him, then they're going to stay how they are on a bad road. But he loves his enemies. All right, what I want to do now, I want to take you into a Holy Ghost service with the Holy Ghost preacher as recorded in the Bible. As you're in the book of Luke, go to chapter 13. And we're going to be reading verse 10 through 17. And we've already seen that when Jesus ministered to the sick and sick got healed, people got glory. And that's what Jesus wanted was to draw people to God. But this, this, this report here, how many know that the book of Luke was written by a physician, a doctor named Dr. Luke? Okay. And so this is Dr. Luke's report of an actual healing service in church where he saw Jesus minister to the sick. And so this is an actual real report. It's not a parable. It's not make-believe. This was like if we were in the service tonight, and Jesus did miracles tonight, and he very well can. If somebody needs a miracle or two or three people need him, he'll do them tonight if you want them. He'll do it tonight. And then somebody were here to go to post on, face, post on Facebook. Pastor Samples was teaching the Word of God tonight. And the Holy Ghost began to move through Pastor. And then so-and-so was there. And this happened. You put it on Facebook. Well, that'd be an accurate description of what you saw in the service. You were telling the truth. A lot of witnesses saw it. And so that's what this is. Here's Luke was in this service. And Luke wrote down what he and the others saw. And while we're reading this, to show you how the same Holy Ghost that used Jesus, the Spirit-filled preacher back there, of course he was the Son of God, but he was a Spirit-filled preacher, how Jesus was used by the Holy Ghost to heal the sick. And see if this doesn't sound like services you've been in, or if you've never been in one like this, if it doesn't sound like services you want to be in. And so Luke chapter, chapter 13 Luke chapter 10, I should say, or I got my notes, okay, 13 verse 10, we start right here. As I flip my page over. 
Okay, verse 10. And it says, now I want you to listen close because I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you some things out of this that you've got to catch. And so he says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So a synagogue was a place of worship for the Jews. Like this is a place of worship right here. Our church building is a place of worship for us as Christians. And so you might want to take notes to help people, help yourself. But anyway, says he was teaching. Okay. I did this for a prayer meeting the last couple of times. I'll do this for you now. And you prayer people better know this verse today. I quoted this at the prayer meeting Tuesday. Romans 10, verse 17. What's Romans 10, 17 say? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, if Jesus was teaching, what do you think he was teaching? The word of God. So what was he doing? He was putting faith into the hearts of the people. He was teaching from the word of God. And so the people that positioned themselves to hear the teaching, they positioned themselves to have faith and to receive from Jesus. Amen. I want to say that again. Jesus was teaching and people were in the building to hear what he taught. And so people weren't just getting something like waving a magic wand. Faith was coming. And so the best way, if you need healing, or if you know somebody else that needs healing, is get them into a church that teaches healing. I want to make a statement that I heard at, I was at the minister's conference in April 1981 down in Houston, Texas. How long ago was 1981? Man, that's been a few years ago. So what I'm saying is I'm no spring chicken this. I've been around this for a few years. But I, but I heard a man named Norville Hayes, a great preacher. He made a statement down there that always stuck with me. And it was concerning uh, denominational churches compared to spirit-filled churches that teach healing. And he made this statement because we never, ever, 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 ever want to knock on another church or denomination or people. We don't do that. But he made this statement, which is the truth, and you can speak the truth in love. He said, for so many Christians that go to churches that don't believe in healing or teach healing, he said, it's not what, what they're teaching you that's hurting you so much, it's what they're not telling you. If you get diagnosed with a serious illness or sickness, then you position yourself. You find out where there's a church that believes in healing, that teaches healing. That teaches deliverance. That teaches long life. 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 One of my big scriptures this year was Psalms 91, verses 14 through 16. In Psalms 91, verses 1 through 13, is the believer talking to the Lord. I will say of the Lord... I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, he's my God in whom I trust. He covers me with his feathers. A thousand may fall at my left hand, ten thousand my right hand, but will not come nigh me. I will say of the Lord, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. And then, verse 14, God answers the believer, says, because Bernie has set his love upon me. How did I set my love upon me? I say what the Word of God says about me that He said. He's my deliverer. He's my God. He protects me. And that's how you set your love upon Him. You say to Him what He says about you from the Word of God. He says, because Bernie says love upon me, therefore will I heal him. I'll deliver him. I'll satisfy him with long life. 
I'll satisfy him with long life. I'll satisfy him with long life. And showing my salvation. Salvation means my deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. That's not deep, is it? No, I'm just telling you, the Word of God tells us long life. If you go to a church, I remember, I remember when I was a baby pastor, based on I've been around, been Word of Faith people for all my Christian life after I first got saved. I remember that some friends of mine wanted to take me to a, to a convention at a, another spirit-filled denomination, I won't say what, up in Indianapolis, and the pastor of the church was the Indiana superintendent over that whole denomination. And I was a baby pastor, and I hadn't been around a lot of non-word of faith people. I'll never forget it. They had about probably a dozen pastors in the church, a really big church in Indianapolis, and they, the, the man was up there talking to all these other preachers. There's lots of preachers out there. You know, I got to go because I was a guest to somebody. And they said, uh, well, a lot of you have been asking about Brother Smith. You know, he was diagnosed with such and such a cancer. And, uh, of course, prayers been up for him. And you want to, he's doing as well as can be expected. I thought, wait a minute. You're not expecting much then because the Bible tells you, and you're preachers. The Bible tells you what can be expected. You call for the elders of the church. You don't have to have the name of the Lord. You pray the prayer of faith. That's what can be expected. The heathen, the sinners, the non-God people that know nothing about Jesus can do as well as can be expected. Amen. God wants us to talk about him right. Jesus said, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, we'll have whatsoever we saith. I will never myself in my life do as well as be expected according to medical science. I'm going to do what Jesus said, hands laid on me, anointed fall in the name of the Lord, and I shall recover. And so for myself in my life, back in January when the elders of the church started with oil, I went to the recovery room. I was in the recovery room longer than I liked. But I came out. <laughs> Why is that? Because I talked about the Lord right, about His Word. I did what He said to do. I positioned myself for healing. I stayed listening to healing things. The times that I missed church this year, I wasn't sitting home watching as the world spins. I had my routine on Sunday mornings. I wasn't here. Dr. Barclay's three hours ahead of us in Michigan. And so at, at 7 o'clock in the morning, I was in my chair with Dr. Barclay live watching my pastor minister at his service. And then by the time he was done at 10 o'clock, it was California time, and I had preachers of California I liked. And I had them on at 10 o'clock. What was I doing? I was positioning myself to hear faith talk to me. Amen. I hope somebody's getting this. Okay, so Jesus was teaching the Word, verse 10. And it says he was teaching on the Sabbath. Then look at this in verse 11. This is so good. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. That's an evil spirit that makes people sick. Denominational people don't know about that. Spirit-filled, spirit-filled people know about these things. A spirit of infirmity, uh, and she had it for how long? 18 years. She was bowed together. That means she was bent over. I could have no wise lift up herself. She couldn't lift herself up. So she had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And I want to say this. The Holy Ghost many times will show a spirit-filled preacher 
if the evil spirit is causing a disease or if it's a sickness from physical things. And denominational people don't know this. And a lot of religious churches that say they're Holy Ghost churches, they don't know this. There's two different ways, basically, that you see people that are sick. Number one, it can be a natural thing. That's the disease caused the fall of man. Back when Adam and Eve fell, let the devil into the earth, he brought a curse. Well, as Christians, we're redeemed from the curse, but we've got to walk in the light of it. We've got to walk in the knowledge of what we know from the Word of God. You can't walk in something you don't hear about or you don't know about. And then the other way that people are sick is by evil spirits. And so when people are sick, if they really want to get healed from Jesus, it's nice to be in a church that has a Holy Ghost atmosphere. I remember back in 1982, probably 1984, probably, probably, yeah, yeah, probably late 84, me and Mrs. Pastor had a, had a street ministry up in Noblesville, Indiana. We were helping a pioneer church up there for some people. And so we was going door to door to preach Jesus. And we came to this, this old woman's house, little, a little old poor place, like some of these little old poor shacks in the desert in, in Barstow. This was a little old poor place up in Noblesville, Indiana. Probably about a, probably about a one bedroom, one bathroom, one kitchen, little old place, a little bitty old place. Anyway, we knocked on the door and the Lord told us when we knocked on doors, don't talk about church, talk about Jesus and talk about healing. So we knocked on the door. This old lady came to the door and we said, is any sick among you that needs healing? And so this woman told us she was apostolic, that she'd had a stroke, and she was paralyzed on one side and blind in one eye. And so we came in, sat down to talk to her, and then she said she'd been praying, said none of her church people to come even come to visit her, said she'd been praying God would send somebody to come and pray for her. And so I had her stand about like Josh and I were right here, like about this distance because in this house. And I went to lay hands on her like that to pray for her. And the Holy Ghost said, stop. Don't touch her. It's a spirit of infirmity. I never dealt with one of those before, so I said, oh. But I knew this story in the Bible. So I said, you spirit of infirmity, take your hands off this child of God in the name of Jesus. I command you to loose her and let her go. And the woman starts shaking and crying. It said, my body's tingling all over. And so anyway... She got her feeling back, her healing back. And then one eye was blind. And I had a little New Testament I carried in my pocket. I always read out of it. I was ministering to people. And so I covered her eye that she'd been seeing out of and held that little Bible up to the eye that was blind and she read it. Standing right there, you saw it, didn't you? And so what am I saying? Now to get this, the woman didn't need healed. The woman needed delivered. And so Christians that don't operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit could pray for people sometimes till the cows come in and nothing happened because they have to deal with the Spirit. But then at the same time, if they get in the ditch and think everything's a Spirit, they're not going to get people healed either. And so the Holy Ghost will use preachers. The Holy Ghost will use Spirit-filled believers to see what's really going on, and that's how you minister. Now, I've prayed for people strokes before. Where it was sickness, laid hands on them, and they've got everything back to working. I played for blind people, prayed for blind people, and their eyes have opened where they've seen, because they had natural diseases. And so it's so nice to be in a spirit-filled church, isn't it? I said it's so nice to be in a spirit-filled church, isn't it?
Amen. And so anyway, anyway, I, I want you to see this now. And so many times the Holy Ghost will show a preacher that's operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit what's going on. And so notice verse 12 then. And so when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. It's totally scriptural for a preacher to call you out. Jesus called her out. In the synagogue, and Jesus looked at her, he saw what was going on, and he called her out, said, come up here. And that's why sometimes we'll get a word, we'll call one person up, we'll say, hey, come up here. Uh, Mike, come here, I want to pray for you. Well, that's Mike's time. God wants to do something there by the Holy Spirit, not just a man talking, but the Holy Spirit talking, get somebody. Or sometimes, you know, it, it, it amazes me on a Sunday morning sometimes. I'll say, man, I just, I know the Holy Ghost is saying, somebody in here has such and such, and it might be a stomach trouble. I say, I, I know at least one or two, but maybe more, and all of a sudden, man, got 20 people up here. 30 people up here, and you go through the thing, wow, it's bam, 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 bam. And then you start getting the testimonies poured in, what God did for people like that. And so what I'm saying is this, this is a Holy Ghost service we're looking at with Jesus, is the minister in this service. And a lot of things that we do, we see happening right here with Jesus. And who's the author and finisher of our faith? Who are we supposed to look at for our example? We're supposed to look at Jesus. And so Jesus was teaching the Word of God to give him faith. And then by the Spirit of God, he looks at that woman that on the outside, she's all messed up. But it's not a natural sickness, it's an evil spirit. And so Jesus calls her out. This helped anybody see how this works in the Bible? Amen. And so Jesus then, he says, he called her out and he said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And so Jesus had, and he gave to us authority over all evil spirits. Did Jesus say in Mark chapter 16, In my name shall you cast out devils? In my name shall you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? He said, In my name you have authority. And so I've got the authority as a preacher because I'm a believer. You've got the authority. You know, when you're a preacher, you're in a different position because he puts you up front in front of people. But this same authority that I walk in up here, I walked in as a Christian truck driver. I walked in as just, just, just a baby Christian. The name of Jesus has all the authority that a big time preacher has, a baby Christian has because it's Jesus' name. You just gotta be bold enough to use it. And so anyway, Jesus told her, said, you're loose from that infirmity. And so what he did right then, he took authority over the devil. That same thing as says, Satan, get off of her. He said, you're loose. That means the devil had to flee. And so then I want you to notice this in verse 13. And then he laid his hands on her. And then immediately she was made straight. And what did she do? She glorified God. But I want you to notice something. Years ago when I was reading this, that bothered me. How come if he said, you're loose from your infirmity, that he laid hands on her if it wasn't a sickness, a natural sickness? Think about this. That woman is said she'd been in this position for 18 years. Her bones, her ligaments, her tendons, her muscles, her joints hadn't moved for all those years. Now, a couple of days ago, I got some hinges out to put some cabinet doors back up that had been used for a while. 
and where those hinges were supposed to move like it, they wouldn't move. I had to lubricate them with some WD-40. I got some lubricant in there and started working them, and they started moving because they needed lubricate because they'd been stuck in the same position. That woman was stuck in that position by that demon for all those years. So when Jesus laid his hands on her, he released anointing like oil. That anointing went into her muscles, into her bones and her joints, and freed them up to move. Got the devil off of her, but she still needs some natural things in to get something going. So when he put that anointing in her through laying on her hands, she was freed so she could move. And so as 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 believers, as ministers of the gospel, we gotta know by the Holy Ghost how to help people the most. Can you see that? She got freed. When you said you're freed, the devil left. But then she's freed. The stuff hadn't worked for a long time. So he had to give her some anointing. And I'm telling you how things work in the healing ministry. Jesus is our example. He's the one we look to. And, you know, I want to say it again when I started talking about a while ago. Anybody can read the Bible, but it takes a Holy Ghost person to act out the Bible, to live out the Bible, to get people help. You know, to me, there's nothing, anything more important in the church that I have to give account to God for about how people come in here, how they get treated, and what we do for them. There's nothing more important than the Word of God. But the Word of God about the anointing of God is far, far, far inferior. The Word of God's great. It gives you faith. But the anointing of God is here with it. It just gives you everything you need to be able to get the victory out of it. Amen. And so, and so then Jesus it said, uh, you're freed, laid hands on her, and immediately she made straight and glorified God. Now I want you to see something here in verse 14 and verse 15. And we're looking at an actual service that Dr. Luke said and observed at what he saw happen. And so it says that the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the, said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And so religious people that are influenced by religious demons get stirred up when the Holy Ghost shows up and magnifies Jesus and points people towards God. You know, you have to understand that religious demons are what influence the people to crucify Jesus. Religious demons are not flesh and blood. Just as surely as that evil spirit was real that kept the woman in bondage, religious spirits keep people in bondage. Now, did you notice in this story here, those religious people totally ignored the fact that this poor old woman messed up like that for 18 years, she was standing there healed. They totally ignored that. And they go off into a sideshow, distracting from what God did. It's the same thing today. I remember back in Indiana, I taught healing school for years and years, every Wednesday morning. We had people from our whole county came around from cities everywhere at our Wednesday morning healing school. Healing school, I taught people how to be healed. In healing school, people got healed. And so they started bringing this lady. She bet she's only, I bet she's probably 35 years old. She's a young mother, and uh, she had breast cancer. 
And so some of the some of the ladies that worked with her knew her something started bringing her to healing school. And she was really in a very, very, very bad uh, condition when they started bringing her. I mean, she wasn't doing good. But the sad thing about it, her family, her husband, his parents, they went to a denominational church that did not believe in music in church. They were, they had, I'm saying that for a reason. They were a religious denomination, didn't believe in uh Music in a church didn't believe in women preachers. And a lot of things they were totally against. Well, these people, because of the Wednesday morning, and it didn't take her out of her religious church on Sunday mornings, they brought her on Wednesday morning. And she came for, I think, probably a couple months, didn't she? She started getting better and better and better and better. Doctor reports were starting to get better. She was actually starting to receive healing because she was sitting under the anointing, under the word, getting healed. And... Then the religious people found out that she was coming to a church that had women preachers, coming to a church that had musical instruments, coming to a church that taught divine healing. And so I'll never forget it. I, 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 I operate by the Holy Ghost. I was getting my lesson together one morning, and all the time I was getting my lesson together at home, I kept saw myself standing in the back row preaching. I thought... And I kept writing this statement down in my notes. Every time I teach a verse on healing, I wrote down there, you call me a liar if you want to, but it's right there in the Bible, Jesus said it. And I'd be writing out my lesson, and I saw myself in the back row. And then I'd write down, you call me a liar if you want to, but it's in the Bible, Jesus said it. And so we got to church that day, got the regular healing crowd in there, and then I saw, how many of them was there? I don't know. Two or three or four, I thought about three or four of them. Anyway, I saw these religious people come walking in the door, some men and women, and they sat in the back row. And they didn't come in to receive anything from God. They came in to judge me, and then it turns out they were for that church the woman went to. And so they sat in the back row with the, like that. And so as soon as I opened up for prayer, I walked to the back row. And I stood there and looked at him. I said, okay, if I open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, <laughs> Mark chapter 16, 1 Peter chapter 2, start going through there, and every time I'd read those verses, I'd say, well, you can call me a liar if you want to, but it's right there in the Bible, Jesus said it. And so I did that, and I mean, you know, I just, the, the Holy Ghost wanted to challenge those religious demons. And so the sad thing was, after they came to the church, had heard what I preached, they pulled her out, and within a month she was dead. Why am I saying that? Jesus stirred up religious demons in those people there. And so, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, etc., etc. And so we can get, a, we can get mad about what Religious people fall for, but we can't really get mad at them because they're under the influence of demons. We got to bind the demons and love them and help them. But you can't relate, you can't have an argument with the devil. We can bind the demon, but you know, just as people can be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they can be under the influence of devils. And so we got to recognize that the purpose of the devil is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now get this picture one more time. Here's this lady, for 18 years, she walked like that, 
that was totally, totally, totally just about incapable to do anything in life because of how she was. Now, here she is at a church service. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, this lady is up and healed. And these people say, uh, duh, you can heal on six other days. Why'd you heal on the Sabbath? Here's this lady getting better of breast cancer, getting healed, and said, they got a lady preacher in there. They got musical instruments up there. They got guitars. They got drums. They got, they, they got, they got a piano up there. They got live music up there. You can't go to that church. They did, they, they ignored the fact that the lady was starting to be able to function in life again. And so I'm just showing you how this works in the real world, in the real world of God, that when you do things for Jesus and people start getting better, the devil hates it. But you gotta recognize You've got to recognize you can't argue with demon spirits. You can bind them, take authority over them, but if people want them, they go home and sleep with them. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So then notice then, verse 16, and here is the main verse for you out of all this tonight. If you don't get anything else, get this. Verse 16 is where we're headed to. Jesus said this, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, being a daughter of Abraham, Jesus, you need to write this down, Jesus was and is covenant-minded. Jesus was always covenant-minded. When Jesus saw this woman out, out there, knew she was a Jew, that time Christianity hadn't come in yet. Jesus said, I've got a covenant with Abraham. I made a covenant for the people to be healed. And so this woman is a daughter of Abraham because she's a Jew. He said, ought not she be healed? She's a daughter of Abraham. Now, write, write this down. This, this is a whole other lesson, lesson subject. But study Galatians chapter 3 sometime. Galatians chapter 3 ends up in verse 29 saying, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. And so we as born again Christians, Galatians chapter 3, the whole chapter goes into great detail of how this spiritual thing works. That we as born again Christians, we're not his physical seed. We're not Jews by natural birth, but by spiritual rebirth. We're Abraham's spiritual seed. And because we're belong to Christ, all the promises of Abraham belong to us. And so Jesus said, this is a covenant woman. And then notice the next part of that verse, what he said. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Whom Satan hath bound. Said so this woman belongs to Abraham. And Satan has no rights here. We belong to Jesus. Satan has no rights here. It's not because of how good we are. It's not because of how much religious training we've had. It's because of what Jesus did. Jesus took stripes on his back so we could be healed. You can be the biggest loser in the world. You give your heart to Jesus. You can make the biggest Christian mistake you've ever made. You repent. 
get under the blood of Jesus. And you have right to be healed. And when Jesus looks down at you, and you pray, or the pastor or somebody goes to prayer for you, you know what Jesus is saying? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, and ought not this woman to be healed? He's covenant-minded. Ought not this man be healed? He's covenant-minded. And we with our heads think, I don't deserve this. And you're right. Why is he doing this for me? And you're right. But he sees the blood. He sees the covenant. He sees the promises. And he says, Rosalinda ought to be delivered because she's the child of Abraham. Amen. He looks at you and he says, Leanne, that farm ought to be sold. She's the child of Abraham. Am I, am I preaching anything other than the Bible? I don't have to preach in the back row, do I? I mean, you guys believe the Bible. <laughs> Amen. It says, Whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for what? All the glorious things that were done by him. They rejoiced. They wouldn't like the religious crowd. The religious crowd could care less. All they wanted to do was stone Jesus. And all the, all the regular people said, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Grandma's healed. Grandma's not sick anymore. Grandma's well. We don't care if it was the Sabbath day. We don't care if there are lady preachers. We don't care if they do raise their hands. We don't care if they do pray in tongues. The main thing is the result. People getting healed. People getting delivered. People's lives getting changed. That's what we care about. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this. And you know, if you're on the platform, or if you're ever teaching up here or doing anything like that, you look back there, maybe you can tell where the religious ones walk in. Everybody is raising their hands as religious ones are judging. They see my wife get up here, or Katie, or one of the ladies, and make an announcement, and they're judging. Women ought to, get, ought to stay silent in the church. That's a whole other story, too. We won't get into that one in the Bible, but uh, there was a reason for that. If you ever read that in Corinthians, when he said the women stay silent in the church, you know what that was? Well, over the Middle East, the women were just all like they are today in a lot of places. They had to be silent, stay off the streets, you know, can't, vote, can't drive, and all that stuff like that. Well, anyway, when Christianity came through, they're mixed with Judaism, and then they come to find out that women and men were equal, and women could be born again like men born again. They still had the religious tradition to come to the synagogue. They had a partition down the middle, and the women couldn't sit with men. So the women are over here, and they got their partition in between the men sitting over here. And so then the preacher's up there saying things that he's saying, and all of a sudden the wife on the other side said, Hey, John, what's that mean? Woo, did you hear that, John? And so they were getting all excited and interrupting the service. And so he said, the women need to stay silent in the church because they was interrupting the sermons. And so see, when you read the Bible, you need to know the context of why it was in there, what it was for. That was for that group at that time in that church in Corinth because the women were disrupting the service. They so turned on to the Word of God. Woo, hey, John, do you hear that? Order? Wow, what, what did he say? Say that again, preacher. And he was counting out the sermon. And so, no, when you read the New Testament, lots of New Testament preacher women, 
And a preacher would do a lot of things, but the religious people today that are bonafidely religious that come around a church like this and see a woman up here being used by God, see people's lives change, they don't see the lives change, all they see is what else do I like about this place? They don't see the lives change. That's anyway, I'll close it down right there. And so it says that the people rejoiced at the glorious things of God. The religious people hated what God was doing, but the regular everyday people loved what God was doing. So I want to tell you this. You know this. You're here on a Sunday night. We're a spirit-filled, tongue-talking church. We believe in praising God. Sometimes we praise Him loud. Sometimes we worship Him real soft. Sometimes we run. Sometimes we dance. Sometimes we shout. Sometimes we be still and know that He is God. But the main thing is, we are going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to be Lord over the people that come into this church. People's lives are going to be changed. Going to be delivered from addictions. Going to be healed of diseases. Going to find out how to live long lives. Going to find out how to have healthy relationships. I'll get to be all that God wants them to be. And religious people are going to get upset. Well, praise the Lord. Lots of religious churches around, man. Go join the bunch. But if you want to be raised for that religious death, we'll raise you up here. You receive eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.